Flying Talkers podcast is made possible by ATC, One World, One Global Air Cargo General Service and Sales Agent, GSSA. ATC is your key to the air cargo market, both local and internationally. ATC is the best air cargo team in the business. Get ready for the supermarket in the sky with no breakage in aisle one. When you think about it, that Phenom air cargo operation out of Russia is the most valid and easily most capable air cargo resource in the world. Volga Dnepr Group fields an array of services, companies, and airplanes heretofore unseen in aviation history. The variety includes the mammoth Antonov 124 that flies anywhere with enough people on board, 11, to form its own football team when they're not busy carrying out almost anything you can imagine anywhere on Earth. Spoke to Vince Ryan, who is always where the action is in air cargo, and has served as Vice President North America and South America for VDG with responsibility for Airbridge Cargo Airlines, Cargologic Air, and now the aforementioned Volga Dnepr. Vince, who's the true definition of the all-cargo professional, came up in the business via Flying Tigers and British Airways, then expanded his role recently at VDG last November to include Volga Dnepr. Quote, Vince said, Our visionary president, Alexei Isakin, used the variety and total capability of our fleets of aircraft and people and services offered as bringing to the fore a new kind of dedicated total global air cargo service, Vince said. Right now, our cargo supermarket offering is exciting programs, new generation cargo handling facilities, and a vision for tomorrow in air cargo. I'll be at CNS Partnership, ready to share our exciting story, Vince promised. We are Volga than Epper. We can lift anything aboard our fleet of B737, 747 4 and 8s, B777s, and Antonov 124s. We want your business, Vince Ryan smiled. Thanks, Vince. This is Jeffrey Aaron. This is Jeffrey Aaron. As we approach the time of year when the favorite story in air cargoes, who flew how many flowers, the romance of Eastertide on Sunday coming up this weekend, day after tomorrow, we have a piece we shared at some point from our executive editor, Flossie Aaron. She talked about the beautiful tulip gardens in Amsterdam. She said, as an avid knitter, there are two things that entice me the most, texture and color. I have a habit of appreciating combinations of color and texture that might go unnoticed by non-knitters, and it's a habit I know I share with my knitting brethren. Piet Mondrain's famous blocks of color have found their way into a blanket for my father. The crystalline camelitic blue pond of Hokkaido, Japan will eventually inspire a neck-hugging cowl in my collection. It's long been a dream of mine to visit Kuchenhof in the Netherlands. The famous Garden of Europe is a fount of inspiration for anyone working with color, texture, and pattern. 
with over 7 million flower bulbs planted across 79 acres, Kuchenhof has hosted over 50 million global visitors since opening. It also hosts several garden types, from a classic English landscape garden to a meditative Japanese country garden, and every year it designs seven new inspiration gardens to delight and intrigue new visitors. When most people think of flowers in the Netherlands, they think of the iconic image of thickly striped rows of tulips forming a Missoni-like rainbow of color composition. The tulip, more than any other flower, has come to symbolize the Netherlands, and nothing augurs the coming of spring more than the tulip. Planted while the world is still cold and dark, tulips are the manifestation of a prayer for warm weather, a supplication to the earth for sunny days. It should come as no surprise then that in the tulip's native Arabic tongue, its name is composed of the same letters that form the word Allah. talk about perishables in air cargo, referring to food, plants, pharmaceuticals, and such, but lay people tend to forget that most goods aren't ubiquitous throughout the world, that certain goods are birthed in places far flung from where they now reside, and tulips, as it turns out, are no exception. Tulips worked in cargo far, far before you're hearing my voice right here. Perhaps not air cargo, but still. Tulip cultivation dates back to 10th century Persia, with extensive cultivation efforts occurring throughout the Ottoman Empire. They originated, however, as a wildflower in Central Asia. While the flower shop of the world, the Kuchenhof, holds festivals in honor of the tulip, tulips are, in fact, not Dutch at all. The word tulip is loosely translated from the Ottoman Turkish word tulip, to the Persian word Delvin, both which mean turban and association assumed to be derived from the similarity in shape between the turban and the tulip. When you think about an airplane, look at all those airplanes with tulips on the side of them in the sky that are flying for Turkish Airlines. Anyway, tulips came to the Netherlands by way of the Flemish botanist Carolus Clausius. 1593, Carolus became the Chair of Botany at the Hortus Botanicus at the University of Leiden. The university gave Carolus a small plot of land, no more than 40 meters squared behind the academy, in which to grow plants for the purpose of medical students' studies. It's one of the earliest botanical gardens, and certainly one of the most influential moments in Dutch history. Having obtained tulip bulbs from a friend, Ogier Gislen de Busbach, the ambassador of Constantinople, that's Istanbul to you, Carolus cultivated the first Dutch tulips in 1594. The curved, gorgeously seductive flowers soon exploded in popularity. 
At the time, no other European flower had the same concentration of color or uniqueness of shape. Eventually, Carolus' entire garden of tulips was raided for the bulbs. By the early to the mid-1600s, tulips had become so popular that they created the first economic bubble, a period known as tulip mania Because it takes 7 to 12 years to cultivate a tulip from seed to bulb, and because certain tulips having contracted viruses began to display extraordinary and unique stripe patterning, tulips began selling for more than what most skilled laborers earned in a year. They became a commodity and a status symbol and were so popular and inflated in price for a brief period before the bubble burst, they actually served as currency. By the mid-1630s, tulips were a staple export, one of the Netherlands' most precious pieces of cargo. Despite the bubble having burst, the tulip still enjoys this position today. Flossie once again refers to the fact that she's a knitter, saying one of the supreme joys of making something comes from seeing how the stitches add up, stacking atop one another to form what was just utterly formless. That simple piece of string that you hold should wind around itself and, in the smallest increments, stitch by stitch become a portrait of creation in its most basic form. Every year, the Kuchenhof performs the same feat with tulips planted colorfully coordinated bulbs in careful arrangements to form a flower mosaic. One year the theme was Holland, tall, thin, multi-windowed buildings squeezed together in a row, flourished by an oversized overarching tulip. So make no mistake about it, at the Kuchenhof, focus is on the mighty tulip, but roses, daffodils, orchids, all kinds of other flowers get their time to shine. There are English and Japanese gardens, a playground, a petting zoo, a maze, and much more to explore. Kuchenhof, however, is open for just eight weeks each spring. And here's a tip. You might experience a unique and unforgettable Kuchenhof adventure because there's a concert being organized on the occasion of the 70th anniversary this year of the Kuchenhof Flower Exhibition. The Spring Concert is a great event with a versatile program of pop and classical music. The decor is, of course, the Kuchenhof Estate in the middle of the flowering bulb region we've talked about could spend a wonderful spring evening on April 24th. Concert starts at 6 p.m. and lasts for two hours. Of course, the estate opens at 5 p.m. Classical music with the Kuchenhof as a spectacular backdrop. What a treat. What a treat for the whole family. Great flowers, beautiful music. Bring the children along. It sounds wonderful. Classical and pop music also. And with a lot of great musical talents from the Netherlands. Musical direction is in the hands of Guido Deteren from Pop Orchestra, Guido's Orchestra, an international sensation 
from the Netherlands was on stage with Lionel Richie, and Diana Ross, and others. The orchestra has been named world's number one pop orchestra, and they'll be at Kuchenhof. You can find out about this event by going to Kuchenhof, K-U-K-E-N-H-O-F dot N-L slash E-N to get the English translation if that helps. Sounds like a wonderful time. Thanks, Flossie. Thanks, Kuchenhof, for flowering our lives. This is Jeffrey Aaron. With respect and admiration always to the greatest voice in old-time radio, Fred Foy. Aboard a midnight flight on the China Clipper, a young and resourceful teenager works for law and order in the late 1930s. Monitoring the world on his shortwave radio, he serves the cause of truth and justice the American way. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past comes a thundering roar of the twin WASP 14-cylinder radial engines. Steve Gibson of the International Secret Police is on the air. Steve Gibson of the International Secret Police. and Barney send a cablegram in code to Chief Riley of the International Secret Police stating that a jewel smuggler was also aboard the clipper bound for Hong Kong. But they did not mention that Marsha Winfield, governess to little Jean Kingsley, is also going to China and has asked their protection during the flight, hinting that she too is seeking the mysterious criminal, the octopus. That same night, they surprise an intruder in their bedroom and after a terrific struggle, overcome the man and discover him to be the jewel smuggler who was aboard the China clipper, after turning the man over to the local police, we find the boys talking in their room just as dawn is breaking. What a night. I'm sleeping along just as peaceful, and all of a sudden I wake up and see that guy's face almost touching mine. He was trying to hear what you were saying in your sleep, Barney. It's getting so a guy don't have any privacy at all anymore. People climbing up balconies and listening to every word you say. Yeah, we're darn lucky to get out of that as well as we did. What with you stirring up such a rumpus? What'd you expect me to do? Give that thug a sweet smile? Well, you gave him plenty of noise. And on top of that, you couldn't find the lights. Of course I couldn't. Somebody's foot was in my eye. <laughs> it sure was a mess. Half the time, I didn't know which was Barney and which was the jewel smuggler. Oh, so you're the guy that kept hitting me in the dark. No, Barney, honest. Well, if you ask me, we were lucky to get out of it as easy as we did. That smuggler waving his gun around like that. Hey, one of us might have been seriously hurt. I'll say. The darkness made it hard for us to see him. But I was lucky at that. Because he certainly couldn't see us good enough to aim a gun at us. You know, it's a funny thing. No matter what happens, I always get the worst of it. Must be fate, I guess. But if you don't keep your head better when any emergency arises like that, you won't have any fate. What's the matter with you, anyhow? You've had enough training in the past to be ready for anything. You're right there, old pal, old pal. Ready for anything. And believe me, I get everything. 
What did you expect me to do while that guy was jumping on my neck? Relax and enjoy sweet and beautiful dreams? No, but you might have feigned sleep a while longer. <laughs> that smuggler had a gun. You're telling me? That bullet parted my hair. Clint and me were just sneaking up on him when you woke up, Barney. Another minute and we would have had him. Well, you got him, all right. With me on the bottom of the pile. After this, I don't sleep in front of no more doors or windows. <laughs> well, that was your own idea, you know. You wanted air and wanted to see the moonlight. <laughs> yeah, and I saw stars, too. That fella had a punch like a pile driver. Why do you think he came to our room, Clint? Well, to get the key to our international secret police code. You mean our disguise is having fooled the octopus gang? They know who we really are? Yeah, I'm afraid so. By coming to our room, the smuggler proved to me that he was a member of the octopus band. And also that our disguises are useless. Then we can forget them? No, while they may know that we're the secret police, I'm sure they don't know how we really look. Uh, me, at least. You know, I've been careful of that in the past. And as long as they're not sure of my real appearance, I may be able to get through their lines yet. But, Clint, what about us? I want you to stay out of this whole mess, Speed. You're in it more now than I counted on. I'm sorry that I ever let Chief Riley talk me into bringing you along. Why, Clint, I wouldn't miss this for ever anything. Let the kids like me to fight crime in every way we can. I'm luckier than the rest because I'm getting a crack at the octopus. You've done more than your share so far, Speed. Capturing Blackie Spears in my room, discovering the jewel smuggler tonight. I'm proud of you. But now with the octopus aware of who we really are, I want you to just stay out of the picture. That's right, kid. You'll run into more danger since leaving Alameda than I've had in a year. But I'll say you know what to do in a pinch. So far, you've done all the headwork of this outfit. Oh, no, Barney. I've just been lucky. But I sure wish I could do away with these glasses I have to wear for a disguise. Eh, you'll have to keep them a while longer, Speed. If there was no other reason for keeping our disguises, passport difficulties would be enough. If we assumed our real identities now, <laughs> we'd have to do a lot of explaining to the Clipper officials. That's so. The Clipper captain and the crew don't know about us being in the secret police. But the octopus does. Yeah, the octopus. I'd give a lot to know just how much information he does have. the octopus call us here for? Anyone know? Does anyone know the master's desires until he has spoken, Splintaz? No, but he seems to know what everyone else is thinking, though. <sighs> Gives me the creeps coming to this room. Nothing in it but that microphone for him to hear us and that loudspeaker for him to talk through. Your feelings are unimportant in the matter. This meeting is important. It is the first time the Hong Kong branch of the band has been gathered together since we first started operation here. Oh, yeah? Talk some more, Kwan Wu. I ain't been with you long, so anything you tell me is news. The band of the octopus does not waste words. The master is successful because he acts. Well, why don't he show himself? This mystery business is okay for the yokels, but I'd like to know who I'm working for. And what I'm heading for. You are heading for disaster if you keep up this foolish talk, Splinters. The master pays you well for the work you do. Yeah, but you've seen his face. Why can't I? I'm one of the best aviators in the sky. I can do everything with a plane but make it cook. And still I can't see who I'm working for. It is best not to, Splinters. I have seen the master's face because I am the only one he can trust. 
I have always been with him. Well, I'm sick of the whole business. I've been sitting around in this private underground hangar till I've forgotten what the sky looks like. I won't do it no longer. I want action. The You call yourself Splinters? Huh? Yeah. Uh, octopus? I have heard your complaint. Do you wish to leave my service? No. No, no, not that. When they leave you, they, they leave the world, life, everything. They never heard of again. I was talking foolish, Octopus. I'll keep my mouth shut after this, I promise. Your promises are less than nothing to me. Quan Mu hired you because you are a good aviator. Yeah, the best I can do. I, I know can... your record in here. And also on the ground, Splinters. You are one of the lowest type of criminal. A renegade aviator. A man who will fly for anyone who can pay him. Regardless of the purpose. A man without conscience, without heart, as unfeeling as the ship he flies. I... But I, uh... I need such a man for my work. But such a man must not complain. For then he will be punished. I have certain underground dungeons for such punishment. No, no. No, not, not torture. I ain't done anything against you, Octopus. I, I work for you hard. Don't torture me. I will give you a chance to prove your worthiness of remaining in the band of the octopus. What? How? Anything. One move. Yes, master. I have just been talking to the Honolulu office over my short wave set. Operator 41 was arrested two hours ago on a charge of burglary. Burglary? Then... Yes. Only Speed Gibson, Clint Barlow, and Barney Dunlap could be responsible... Since their room was the only one he was going to search. Operator 41 must have been clumsy. The boy, Speed Gibson, was the real cause of his capture. A kid? For your information, Splinters, this boy is Clint Barlow's nephew. Barlow is not only the cleverest and most intelligent man in the International Secret Police, but he's raising this orphaned boy as his own and has taught him the rules of the Secret Police. Train him to follow in his footsteps, should he so desire. And it is Barlow's heart that I will attack through his nephew. Since Barlow is our worst enemy, Master. The only one I acknowledge, Kwanmu. The only one who might end my career. <laughs> but he made his one mistake when he brought the boy on this trip. For what reason did the boy come? If Riley thought that such a move would remove suspicion, all three of his guys, traveling under assumed names, for the time being, I shall allow them their masquerade. May I humbly ask why, then, you caused the warning note to be presented to them under the dinner check, master? More to frighten the Winfield girl. Women are troublesome. I wanted her to stay away from China. Was she frightened? Yes, but the little fool has the courage of ignorance. She's coming to China under the protection of our enemies. Does she know who they are? Not yet. That note also worried Barlow, not because of his own safety, but that of his nephew. Speed Gibson is the vulnerable point in Clint Barlow's armor. What is your plan? First of all, nothing must interfere with our business of smuggling. The men I have assigned to take care of that will not concern themselves with this warfare against our enemies. One move. You are friendly with Dr. Kingsley, the little girl's father. Very, Master. I see him almost every day at the council office. He thinks very highly of me. Good. 
The more you are in his confidence, the more you will learn about Marsha Winfield. I want you to work on that alone. You know the background there, Kwanu. Yes, Master. It will be a pleasure. Now for the International Secret Police. It is Monsieur Pierre Dorsey and Jim at Earl Fletch. I am not attempting to interfere with their activities so long as they are aboard the clipper ship. That would be foolhardy. It is the stopovers that concern me. Those are the places where I can reach them. But Master Operator 41 is no longer flying with them. I know, but there are other ways. They leave Honolulu very shortly. They will reach Midway Island in about eight hours. They will leave Midway the following morning. Fly over the international date line and reach Wake Island Sunday afternoon. Splinters. Yeah, yes, sir. I want you to take my special bullet monoplane and fly to Wake Island. You will leave immediately and await the clipper plane from Midway. Do I go alone? Yes, but you will have a passenger when you return. At least, you'd better have a passenger. I, uh, I will. Who will it be? Speed Gibson. <laughs> Speak, Lulu. Say happy Easter, Lulu. Say happy Easter. Ah, good Lulu. Good Lulu. 